Kipling and Etruscan, addicts and drugs not yet synthesized, black marketeers of World War III, excisers of telepathic sensitivity, osteopaths and spirits, investigators of infractions denounced by bland paranoid chess players. What is going on, my free geeks and free thinkers? This is Mike Romanelli with the Free Thinker Society, episode number 44. I am so excited for this episode. We're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to go, uh, we're going to record a phone conversation because our boy Clint is, uh, he's on the road right now. Um, so I did not, I want to keep putting out some content. So two of my favorite people in the world just happened to hit me up around the same time this morning when I was in my garden, and that is uh, my man, Mark Palmer, and her second time back, her second podcast, and I'm to have the honor of having her on our show. Little Rain is here, and uh, they're going to blow my mind, and we're going to talk about science, and we're going to talk about uh, the sun and, and what's going on with the sun right now. And I, I hope you guys are – does anyone know about this whole second sun that I've been hearing about? Do you guys know anything about that? Um, well, I've heard Pro Triple Seven. He's been talking about that recently with, um, well, in conjunction with the sky clock, which is something that I've been looking into. Like, I'm not as familiar with that stuff, so I'm still combing it through. But I do find it very interesting. The second sun. Me too. Me too. Guys, check this out. So, has anyone ever, since we're going to talk about the sun, and the sun is such an important thing, I wish we could get Ryan Bledsoe on because him and I have had hour-long conversations about the sun, and maybe the sun is even possibly the creator and our God and all kinds of things. But besides we even get that deep, have you guys noticed, you're a little younger than me, when you were kids, what did the sun, let me ask you this, when you guys were children, what did the sun look like to you? Well, it looked more yellow than its current white. It definitely yeah, was it looked... more of a, that's what I'm getting at. Was it more of a yellow-orange? warm feeling when you were children because i know when i was a kid for sure it was yeah i've heard this i've heard this before and i definitely can say you know as limited as my perspective is uh, you know only being 26 years old you know when i was younger yeah it did seem to me like the sky was yellower more orange now it seems to be kind of more uh, white, almost like the difference between like an old school light bulb and like a hospital yes. light bulb, you know? Yes. The yeah. way, yes. It's it's like fluorescent now. And, and that could just be because, you know, I'm, you know, when I was a kid, I remembered it that way. But considering that you're almost, you know, twice my age, Mike, that's pretty cool to hear that maybe it's more than just uh, an effect of growing up. Yeah, you know, I pondered that idea too, Mark. Um, and, and it's funny because that was, this was just a crazy idea I had years ago. Um, I was like, why is the sun white all of a sudden? And it was something like, you know, I've told you guys many times, like a lot of these ideas or conspiracies were I kept inside and were just things in my head. And now with the power of the internet and the power of all these cool uh, uh, networks of people that we have and group chats and podcasts and uh, all this other fun stuff. We get to share all these crazy ideas. But, yeah, that was one for – I just, like, have a really deep memory of when I was a child of, like, being – because I'm originally from Florida. And I totally remember being, like, in my bulky-ass 80s car seat and, like, staring at an orange – an orange-orange sun, like, this, 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 this and, and the warmth and the feeling of being, like, just of, – of just, like, looking out the window with my mom's car and seeing that orange – warmth and the orange color almost like 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 the way an egg yolk would look and um as i got into my 20s the sun became this white looking thing um now don't get me wrong um you know some sunsets and the, you know sunrises i've definitely seen some amazing suns recently but for the most part the sun is like this white this white thing and also clouds have changed quite a lot especially in the northeast um and it sounds like you're a crazy person, but it's great that so many other people are noticing that and saying that. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering if it's like a perspective thing from when you're a child or a false memory, but I don't think so, man. Uh, the other thing is, is about in around 2012, right when I, uh, I, I had that, my real big, actually, no, I'm sorry, it was about 2012. 2000, and I think, when did we figure, we figured this out, Mark, when I was doing the numbers with, when I had my big, 
spiritual moment with the, with the pyramids. It was before 2012, but let's call it 2010. But uh, I was uh, messing with sun gazing at that point, and I was doing a lot of sun gazing where I was up to, I think I was up to almost a minute where I could stare at the sun in the morning. And um, it just, just out of pure laziness, I stopped doing it. Um, but, you know, at that time, I, I definitely felt a connection with this, this. There's so much to the sun that we don't know. Uh, have any of you guys ever looked into? I know I'm all over the place, but that's just typical for me. Um, have you guys also looked into sun gazing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really awesome. Um, I, just I, think, I did it during the eclipse, and that was like a really like amazing spiritual experience to see the aura and to wake up early and to see the summer solstice. I mean, yeah. not the summer solstice, the eclipse. It was very powerful and i think that's why they don't really like people to look at it especially mm. because most people are like oh you can't look at an eclipse with your bare eyes you're going to burn your eyes out right but i was staring at it for a minute and i was fine and you just see the aura of the sun and the moon and it was just like really powerful to witness at least for at least for me, I don't know for sure. There was a lot of people around me at the time because I guess word got out that where some of New Jersey could see it. So I went to the place where I knew I would see the sunrise. A lot of people were there um, during the eclipse. There was a lot of you could see that there was a lot of like chemtrails occurring beforehand because it was blocked for majority of the eclipse. So I only caught the end of it. And that's just across the board for everyone I know who could see the eclipse is that there was it was a cloudy morning, which is not normal because you could see behind and there was no clouds, but right where that eclipse was, there was just a ton of clouds. So that was very strange. Now, yeah, Randy, I wasn't talking, the only one. Are you talking about the uh, the eclipse that happened a few years ago, or the more recent one that you've been posting on? No, the one that just happened on the tenth. Yeah, okay, so I missed that one. I was actually with my kids at Sesame Place uh, for the big one. Remember the one they were, like, selling the glasses for and stuff? Yeah. Um, what was the difference between those two events, you guys could tell me? Because I, I have no idea. Well, well I, you can go ahead, Mark. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, sorry. I, um, I'll i say I, I had a similar experience with the, you know, great American solar eclipse that happened, I don't remember how many years ago. Um, but it was a couple of years ago, right? And I I got all my quartz, all my crystals. I went out into this clearing in the forest on the property that I lived at at the time. And, yeah, I just soaked it all in. And I remember uh, feeling the same way, like, oh, why can't I just kind of look at it? You know, because I had those glasses um, that this Scorpio gave me. uh, And her and I looked at it and kind of had this, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, but really... I, I thought of it as more of a subtle thing, you know. I wasn't really considering, like, okay, you know, what's next? I wasn't, like, taking a scientific, like, an analytic approach to the actual effects, you know. I just put myself in the place and said, like, this is going to be good no matter what, you know. So I would say the same thing happened to me on the 10th with this uh, – this solar eclipse, like just like a couple years ago, I was kind of at a good point in my life. Things were going same thing with this solar eclipse. So, I mean, that's just my intuitive uh, sense of what's going on. But Rain, I'd be interested to know what you uh, have researched because I know you definitely get down to the the nitty gritty details. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. So i I always look at things from a very spiritual perspective. So the way that I look at it is there's this verse in the Bible that talks about, um, it's like Psalms 19 where it talks about like God does his handiwork in the sky. So I take that very literally, how am I supposed to see what God's doing if I don't look at the sky? So I've been just looking at the sky day and night saying, okay, this is what the moon's doing. This is what the sun is doing. How does that affect me? And then I read the Schumann which a lot of people are confused about. It's the low frequency of the earth. It's like the heartbeat of the earth. So I take that into account 
whatever the sun's doing, whatever the moon's doing, if there's a certain eclipse, because to me, I'm a, I, I see that God speaks that way. And mm-hmm. that's an easy way to see what God is trying to show. And especially with June, the amount of um, things that are going on in the sky. Like, this is insane, the amount of things that are happening in June in terms of, like, solar events. So the 10th was the solar eclipse of this year, which is the ring of, it, it was called the ring of fire. Mm-hmm. Then the 14th. And that was moon, during a retrograde too. So that's kind of Yeah, and, and we're in retrograde too. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Then the 14th, the moon and Mars are very close together. Um, the 21st is the summer solstice. And then the 24th is the last supermoon of this entire year. And that's all happening in June. Wow. When was that? Rain, I'm writing this down. When, when is the, uh, the, the last supermoon? The, the last supermoon is the 24th. So wow. three days after the summer solstice is the last supermoon of the year. Wow. Wow. So the summer solstice no. is on the 21st, you said? Yes. Yes. Awesome. I mean, I feel something happening um i feel uh, a shift in energy uh i feel like a new energy is rising um that's just all my intuition uh, i love that you guys have some scientific stuff that's going on as well so it goes perfect with my intuition and what i've been feeling um so yeah so so uh the the, the last two um so that eclipse that mark was talking about and the eclipse that we just missed were they the same type of event no so what was interesting about this eclipse is that it missed the majority of the world. It was oh, wow. the northeast portion of the United States and Canada, mostly, that were able to see the solar eclipse. A lot of people couldn't see it. Oh, wow. And that's what I found out because everyone was asking me, can I see it? And there, there's, I have a lot of friends on the West Coast and we were talking about it and they wanted to see it but they couldn't, and there were some people that are down south, and they couldn't see it either. So it was really just eclipsing part of the northeast and some of Canada's northeast. But other than that, no one else could see it. So that to me was very interesting too, because it was a partial ring of fire eclipse that only was hovering over a particular spot in the world. So I was like really fascinated with that. I still don't understand exactly what that entails, but I'm trying to slowly figure that out. Hey, we're learning. We're all figuring stuff out. But yeah, okay, um, guys, what do you think about what do you think about the sun? I personally think the sun is is possibly a full. Uh, it could possibly be God, the Creator. Uh, I think just like every single thing um, that we're ever told, it's we don't know jack shit about the actual sun and what it's doing. Um, Bledsoe talks about these beings coming from the sun and live off of the light. Um, and he believes that these angelic beings come right from the sun. Uh, a lot of Egyptian stuff uh, also kind of goes that way. Ancient Egyptian with Ra and things like that. Uh, what do you guys think on a bigger esoteric uh, level? What do you think about the sun? Well, if, if I may, I'll say that uh, <clears throat> I just recently spoke to a really cool dude named Dan from the Rising from the Ashes podcast uh, yesterday. And what we were talking about is this story called the Box Saga. And the Box Saga is a Norse myth that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. And the way it was told um, was passed down, you know, from father to son, mother to daughter, so on, through this Bach family. And the, one of the last remaining Bach family members, a gentleman by the name of Eeyore Bach, he realized, oh, I'm the last guy to know this story. I got to tell someone. So he told a guy named Jim Chesner, who has happened to have two interviews on the higher side chats where he talks about this. And there's also a book that recently came out that basically describes the whole box saga and this North mythos. But the way they put it 
makes a lot of sense to me. And I really think that a lot of esoteric knowledge connects back to this same sort of ancient, ancient, ancientness that is the origins of humanity, not Egypt, but way further than that before Atlantis. And this is what the Bach saga claims to have its roots in. And what they say about the sun specifically, solar, solo, soul. I mean, etymology, there's so much truth behind the, the actual consonants, vowels, and different ways that those are put together. There's, there's real meaning that you can find when you analyze these words. So solo, solar... Mono, mm-hmm. moon, right? Mm-hmm. The Bach Saga tells us that there's only one sun, one moon, one earth, and everything else out there in the universe is a star. So some mm-hmm. people who are flat earthers might be like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I jive with that. You know, some people who are, are more like me, not really married to the shape of the earth, really. I'm more interested in realm and, and our own human perspective because that's all yeah. we really know. Um, me too. Right. So, but it does make sense. I mean, the sun and the moon are almost the same size in the sky, if not exactly the same size in the sky. They're ap- they're always opposite of one another, you know, adversaries mm-hmm. to one another. Right. And we have this yep. whole theme of duality throughout our mythos of uh, sun Absolutely. versus moon yep. and, and yep. this one yep. culture, you know, uh, the empirical parasite culture that's spread itself across the planet wants us to believe that there's just power from the sun and not the moon itself and and forget the feminine forget the moon forget all oh. that wisdom right so when you ask yeah. me like what i think the sun is yeah. i think the sun is the archetype of the divine masculine of creation yeah. and the moon yeah. is the archetype of the divine feminine of creation and in the microcosmic way of our earth being this all there is for us just like the universe is all there is right one verse you know i think that that is where i find the esoteric meaning lies when you can understand where humans fit into the origin of it and kind of i guess even deeper how that can be seen in in the patterns that are around us today in our natural world. And and just looking at the qualities of the sun and the moon, it seems to me like there's a lot more anomalies than there are truths in the scientific explanation for what the sun and the moon is. But when we go to the spiritual explanations for what the sun and the moon is, which there are varied and many different explanations. I think there's wholeheartedly more truth I found in those places rather than in the, uh, you know, Neil deGrasse the text, Tyson. In the text, yeah, the textbooks or the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I just find the word anomaly so interesting because if there is data that shows something outside of the data, that means the hypothesis is incorrect. So a hypothesis, uh, if you make a correct hypothesis, an anomaly should tell you that your hypothesis is not correct. So I find it very curious how we just label in an anomaly and we just throw it to the side when that actually should be guiding us towards looking for a deeper understanding, if that makes sense. So I find that very interesting that you say anomaly. That always gets me that I see data sets all the time and there's anomalies. And they just throw it away, even though it's a part of the data set. And that happens a lot when you look at the scientific community when it comes to understanding the way the universe and planets and all those things. To me, if I saw something that came up constantly, but it had nothing to do with what I was looking for, I would go deeper and look deeper into that. But with the scientific community, what they do is they just label it an anomaly and forget it. So I like to deep, dig deeper into those things, which is kind of how I got into what is what is going on with the moon? What is going on with the sun? What's the cycle of the moon? What's the cycle of the sun? What's going on in the cosmos? How does that fit into how I feel? What's going on? The universal shift? What's happening? 
So I, I try and take the anomaly approach and look at the world from that perspective, which is why I found this solar eclipse so fascinating because the solar eclipse happened on the 10th and I read the Schumann resonance. So I was like, okay, there's a lot of good energy here. And it stopped on the 11th and there was a blackout for five days straight. Oh, on the resonance? No information. Yes. Really? There was a, yeah, there was a blackout for five days. Really? Um, they tried to find other sources in other countries to replace the data, but there was no reading. So no where reading for five days where, after the eclipse. Who, who is taking the reading and where does it come from, if you guys don't mind me asking? I'm very so, interested in it, but I don't know where, like, where is it actually coming from? So the, the Schumann resonance uh, is recorded in Europe. Okay. The time zone is very interesting. How I look at it, I kind of see it as like a splash in the pond. So the reading gets read and the information is put out there and then the frequency like vibrates through the earth. That's kind of how I see it happening. Yes. If that makes sense. But who, so, who's actually, uh, who's measuring it is my, my thing. Like who's, uh, when we see that, when we go online and we see those, uh, my wife is constantly watching that. And I know you posted it. It's very interesting. Uh, totally believe it, but where's the actual data coming from? Do you know that, Rain? There's a there's a pictograph. It's kind of complicated. Okay. So I I just go to the Twitter account to make it easier for other people because yeah. there's a Twitter account called Human Bot, and they post every couple hours. So yeah. I just watch that and get the reading from there because you can watch it live, and it's just more complicated, and it's easier to explain what's happening to people if I just grab it from the Twitter account so that they can see it. And most of the time, people can't even read that. And it's taking me, it's taken me quite a bit of time to understand, at least for me, what that means and how that feels. So it measures the Earth's frequency, the heartbeat mm-hmm. of the Earth, and it lets us know what's happening with the low frequency in the Earth. Yeah, so so I look at how that affects the day and how that affects me and that's how I've learned to read it. That's how most people would read it who's, who's paying attention to it. Okay, but yeah, so I, I, I've seen that we've had all kinds of, uh, especially since the pandemic, right? That thing has been going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my question was more, and I'm not doubting it because a lot of people I trust uh, constantly talk about it. I'm just wondering where the info is coming from. Like, who, who is actually putting that like, where are we getting it from is my question, I guess. There's a lot of different observations, like scientific observation places around the world that are measuring this. Sometimes they use it okay. to measure um, earthquakes. Yeah, so they right. use it for multiple different things. Okay. But the way that I interpret it is I look at it to view the what's happening in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I take it. But there's okay. a lot of different reasons for that information to be present. It's just some people look at it for spiritual purposes. Some people look at it for science. So it just depends. Yeah. Um, I just use it for the way that I, it makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. for, there's a bunch of different ways for how it's used. That's just and how I take it. Now, it's also, isn't it true, like, in the last year, maybe two, that we've seen some, um, there's been some data on the on the scales that have, like, never happened before? There's been a lot of high frequency. So the extremely low frequency of the earth has been very high. And whenever it's high, at least for me, I see a lot of things happening. And when it's slow or regular, there's not a lot of things that go on. Um, the frequency uh, the frequency depends how it makes you feel. Like when it's very high frequency, I know some people get extremely tired. Okay. While for other people, it makes them really excited and anxious and busy and they want to run around. That's how I take it. So it really depends on what makes sense to you and how you interpret it. But there's a bunch of different ways that it affects people. Now, are I you just think noticing, how it affects me or yeah, how it affects other your, people. With yourself, do you notice certain patterns with the, the, the frequency and how you're feeling? Yeah, exactly. So basically, after looking at it for weeks, 
I take note of how it makes me feel during the day. I've learned how to read it for myself. So when I see it's high frequency, high low frequency, I know that it's going to make me very exhausted and tired. I'm going to want to sleep all day. Okay. For other people, they get extremely excited. But I've noticed for a lot of people who are more spiritually inclined, it makes them feel drained. Drained. Okay. That makes sense. So I always tell people to look at it and learn what it means for them. Yeah. Because it can help you learn more about yourself. So I learned when the low frequency in the earth, the heartbeat of the earth is really loud, I get very tired. Well, for some people, it makes some people very excited. So for me, I find that very fascinating. I don't know what that means, but I'm watching it and I see how it affects people. Yeah. And it's always the same. That's awesome. Which means there's something there. Mark, so I find that are, fascinating. I don't know. Do you notice anything with the with the insurance residents? Well, I mean, as far as intuition goes, yeah, I go to places where I know the Schumann resonance is potentially stronger than others. Uh, I seek those places out, like with with really no planning. I think it's really intuitive because I don't know how you know if there's a guide for that that I've found yet. Other than just, you know, here and there, people mentioning, oh, this place is sacred, this place is sacred. I know uh, Brad Olson wrote a book, uh, 108 Sacred Places in North America. I should probably get that. But I really don't think it's restricted to just, you know, the obvious sacred places like, oh, the, the megalithic spots or, you know, where there's uh, historic um, something that happened of significance. I think really the the feeling that you can get will guide you towards a place where the Schumann resonance is strong if you really seek that out. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, as far as, as much as rain was able to get into, no, no, I don't have much else. Yeah. You haven't like watched it like on Twitter and, and like, and seen, you know, the spikes, with certain events and oh, well, uh, that's yeah that's i mean that's like the random number generator thing that i wouldn't i mean yeah they've linked that to the schumann resonance in a way but i wouldn't say that those two are the same thing it's uh that is more of a concept of consciousness right so the random number generator is happening in the same way that any art of divination happens right when you put that kind of mathematical uh possibility of infinitude out there it's not going to give you randomness it's going to give you a pattern because there's nothing in the universe that is random everything follows a sacred fibonacci it's just like we were talking about the other day Mike, yep. with the stocks yep. it's like yep. you put those amount of numbers and those amount of causes it creates this concerto this sea of of change rapid that doesn't create random noise it creates a pattern so yeah when 9-11 happened they noticed a spike in the number generator when anything else significant happens they notice a spike in the number generator but we as human beings you know that whole concept of of one percent of us can change the world that's all mm -hmm. that is if enough people get everyone's attention for one percent of the time you can change the world yeah that is it man that's fucking amazing um, so do you, you're talking about, uh, energy in different spots. So I could give you guys something. Uh, so I, a couple of years ago, I, I did an awesome trip to Sedona, right. And I went to every, um, vortex or every vortex, at least that I could find. Um, and, and I went to most of them and, uh, meditated, um, even had my daughter meditate. She was like, I think she was like three or four whatever she was pretty young but she was meditating some pretty cool pictures of her sitting on these vortex meditating or just playing um one thing i saw that was really freaking cool and one of the locals told me yeah so so the certain some of these trees would actually their trunks would would have a swirl to them and they were growing in a swirl like that like the vortex actually shifted their their, their trunks if you could look this up and find it, it is wild um, 
and like right where these vortexes are, these tree trunks are literally like somebody like twisted them. Really crazy. Also, where the vortexes are, uh, if you just once you start meditating, you really look at the rocks. I mean, you will the, the mountains. You will totally, totally start seeing like what I would call, I, I guess, like Cherokee style or Apache style or just like chiefs. Let's say like their heads in the the mountains. It was really wild, and it wasn't just me. It was like my wife and other people would notice it too. Like the more you start gazing into the mountaintops. You would see like Native American, like silhouettes and, and, and faces in the rocks. It was really wild. Um, wow. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff, man. Um, Mark, any vortexes or any energy place like that around our area? Well, I'll say it's funny. Uh, <laughs> my most recent, eh, not most recent, but last week I had Aurora uh, on my podcast, Aurora is better known by the flying rainbow lasagna. She was on Tinfall Hat a, a month or so ago, and mm -hmm. we had a conversation, a really great conversation, and lasted two hours. She just kept, you know, adding more, 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 really took our breath away. I mean, it was a whirlwind of information. Um, but I asked her after we were done recording, I said, well, you mentioned you're you're in Woodstock. Uh, do you still live there? She said, no, I, I don't live there anymore. But that place is a sacred mountain. That place is a sacred vortex. And just like I had told you guys before about how, well, I kind of just go out and I intuit. You know, if, if I find a place it feels right, I go towards it. So uh, almost a year ago, mid-pandemic, I was in the habit of just like taking random drives and listening to podcasts and and that was uh you know a fun thing to occupy my time so i wasn't as busy as i am now but um yeah. but one of the things i did was i drove out of danbury connecticut uh towards new york over the hudson river and i started heading north and where did i end up i ended up in Woodstock, I ended up on the exact mountain that she had told me a year later is a sacred, you know, mountain with lots of energy, right? So, yeah, I think that the the message I guess I'm trying to give people is there are so many places that you might not even know are sacred. Like Bear yeah. Mountain in Connecticut is very strong energy. Uh, another place that's been on my mind recently is uh, Makamudis State Park in Connecticut. It's funny. Uh, I, where was it? So I've been there, I've talked about it. And then within a few days of talking about it, I see in a book today in Barnes and Noble, it was an indigenous healing book and it was a shit book. Like it was one of these Barnes and Noble, uh, yeah. prints, you know, that they put it, the, the bargain rack in the beginning of the store. So, mm -hmm. but, but I looked through it cause I'm like, oh, okay, Indian, uh, medicine or what did they call it? Indigenous medicine, the proper way to yeah. call it. Um, hey, let, me, let me tell you something. Hold on. Let me backtrack you real quick. I've spent a lot of time with indigenous people, uh, Eskimo into uh, let me, one thing that they, most of them will tell you, especially the, the elders, they don't give a flying fuck. Right, 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 right. They're like, you can call us whatever, because we have our own language that you'll never like whatever you guys call us, like call us. At least that's the elders. I don't know about the younger ones, but any I'm talking like elder chiefs and, and medicine people, they always share the same thing. Like call us whatever the hell you want to call us. Right. Right. And I, I only point it out because I think it's just like uh it's a shame that we don't know uh No, we should have a correct name. Indian is so lazy, but yeah, I know. Well, it's also like, yeah, generalizing to a large degree. So, but back to the reason I, I brought it up it, in that book about medicine in the back, it was like sacred places in North America. And one of those sacred places is the cave I just described, Makamuda State Park. And it says used by the Wag Wagunk tribe, this medicine site was the home of the spirit Hobomoko, who was believed to chase away evil spirits with his boisterous roar. Actually, the roaring sound was the result of earthquakes. Oh, oh okay, well, let's just pretend that they didn't say that last part. The Habamako uh, spirit in Makamuda State Park. <laughs> Very cool stuff. Wow. 
Yeah, this is uh, not related, but since you guys do make your, your way up here sometimes, so in Morristown, where we are, where the dojo is located, uh, it's a really, um, it's pretty, it's got a lot of history, this area. And uh, one of these days, guys, we should, early on, I should take you to this place called Jockey Hollow. And uh, it's like where Washington um, had his troops. And I know it's not, it's a different type of energy, but you could get some crazy, uh, uh, I could take you guys to some, 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 some trails and some, we go for a hike and you'll pick up some really different energy out there. Um, I have friends that, you know, their parents will go out there when they were kids with uh, uh, metal detectors and find all kinds of crazy stuff from the Revolutionary War. Um, I mean, there's still like, there's like bunkers out here and all kinds of stuff that Washington's troops stayed in. And I know you guys are super intuitive, so we could like go out there and, and just uh, get kind of get lost and you'll feel some, some, some heavy energy, man. Cause you know, you're talking the revolutionary war was right here. Yeah. That would be fascinating. I'd love to do that. Hikes are so important to them to of nature in any way, or po- any way, shape or form, whether it's a hike or you to walk, it's so good to just take, even take your headphones out. One of the things I've been trying to be atten- intentional about is going for a walk and just hearing nature. Yeah, without the headphones, headphones, right? On, I know. Or we're talking to someone or we're listening to music and just listen to the wind, the birds, Absolutely. all that stuff. I've been doing the same thing. So, I've been taking my headphones out, stop listening to podcasts, stop listening to the concerts that I want to hear and just like listening to the river, listening to the wind, listening to the birds. It's so important. It's like why it's like you forget. Like that's why you're out there. And then like all of a sudden I'm listening. I love Tripoli, but I'm listening to Tripoli screaming and yelling and I'm like, wait a minute, I should be doing this like while I'm working, not while I'm out in nature, not while I'm in my garden. Um you know? Because it's just yeah. so, easy. so easy for us to have the, the the ear you know, the headphones in at all times. But you're right. Like a, a a hike, like forget leave the headphones at home. Um, but yeah, guys, I would love to do that with you guys. I would love to, uh, one of these days when you guys come out to the studio an hour or two before we should go, it's literally, I'm not kidding. It's right here. It's like we could almost walk there. We would need to drive there and take a walk. It would be great. I'm down. That'd be awesome. I'm yeah, down. it would be awesome. And it would be a great way for us to like, just get before we podcast, get some, I feel like it would get the juices flowing really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think now more than ever with everything that I'm looking at nature is definitely going to be something that most people are going to get into subconsciously or not. I think with the magnetism of the sun and all that stuff that I've been learning about that it's going to come to a point where we just go out in nature. We're going to be drawn to going out into nature. So I definitely think that's that's something that's going to be happening to a lot of us free thinkers very soon is feeling a draw and pull to just be outside all the time and get in as much fun as you possibly can. I believe so too. Um, I believe so too. That's another yeah. thing you just said, you just said also, but the sun, you know, getting it into your body through your, you know, that's another fucking psyop, man. Fucking sunscreen and how they told us. Let's think about that for a second. Let's think about that. Let's think about how much they told us how the sun was hurting us, how the sun was hurting us so much for sunglasses, sunscreen, to, uh, 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 what was it, the ozone layer. That was a big thing when I was a kid in the 80s. The hole in the ozone layer, the sun, the sun is so powerful, it's going to give you cancer. Meanwhile, they're finding out that most of these sunscreens have cancer-causing shit in them to begin with. Yeah, if you think about it, you get a lotion and you paint it all over your skin constantly, and then the UV rays of the sun burns it into you, and all these chemical, yeah. cancer-causing chemicals are in your skin. Yeah, it's going to be really bad, and I read recently that there's a lot of sunscreens that have actually been recalled because of those chemicals in it. And I don't know anything about it. They're not broadcasting. These are the sunscreens you shouldn't be using because they're not recalled. No one said anything. So I find it really interesting how they want to block the sun. The sun is just so important. Yeah. So important. I can't even like reiterate how important the sun is. For your soul, for your body, it gives you vitamin D, it gives you your nutrients, it helps regulate your hormones, all Absolutely. those things that we need, we don't get because we stay in the shade and we stay out of the sun and we 
block our skin from receiving information from nature, that's not good. Absolutely. Anyone. That is so true. I mean, it's everyone, you know, most people, I mean, the pandemic, that's another thing, right, that happened. So people stayed inside. I know I didn't. I was the opposite. I, I actually was outside way more because I'm normally working and I wasn't working. So I was spent every day outside. Um, but most people did it. You know, they, they really stayed inside. They were scared. So uh, that was a big, a big part, right? People didn't get all that, that, that the rays of the sun in their body. Um, but yeah, you feel so, I know, at least for myself, if I'm not feeling well, the best, the best thing I can do is just sit outside in the sun or go for like a little bit of a walk. The second my immune system is like compromised. If I get that sun, it's like a battery. I mean, it, it just instantly, for me, instantly, I feel better from the sun. Yeah, I feel that way too, a hundred percent. You know, just, there's so much power to what's going on in the sky, which is why I've been going down this rabbit hole with frequencies and magnetism and the solar cycle and all that good stuff. Because once you learn about how amazingly complicated than that nature is and earth is, you want to get more of it. You want to be more a part of your surroundings rather than focus on technology. You know, technology is great. I met all of us through technology. Love what it's done for connecting like-minded people, but mm-hmm. we can't forget that nature is right here and it has so much to offer and teach all of us, you know? Absolutely. And I'm already we need to just get I'm back to looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? I, I'm like, think, as she's saying this, I'm like thinking in my mind, like, okay, Indian Wells State Park. Well, no, nah, can't see the sunset from there. Hmm. Okay, maybe. You know, oh, you're like, thinking about a sunset. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, I want to. You know, you guys are getting me going because you're absolutely right. I mean, my whole life, I've loved nature, and I really think that that's a big reason why I am who I am, and just taking time to go outside and like any time like what you know i'm 26 turning 27 soon but for the past eight nine years like anytime i'm hanging out with friends like a hike is usually my top suggestion you know because that's just where i feel the most at home so yeah i'm 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 getting excited because it's summer it's not gonna the sun's not gonna set till late so after we're done i'm probably gonna hit the road and find a nice place to go for a hike today yeah, I'm not going to lie. You guys are going to be excited, too. I'm trying to think how, in my break, I can get outside for a little bit. In the, tra- <laughs> oh, in the trash garden? Talk- in my hand, the dumpster garden. Yeah, yeah. Careful. There's, about- there's people listening. There's people listening, Mark. Can't give up the dumpster garden on air. Oh, shit. I'll edit it <laughs> Let's talk about the solar cycle for a second so you guys yeah. can, like, get even more excited. Okay, so... Someone sent me this and wanted to see if it was correct. And of course, when someone's like, can you prove this to be true? I'm like, hell yeah, let me look at it. Um, So we're in a very interesting time. It's solar cycle 25. And I'm going to ask, like, does anyone know about solar cycles at all? Because I feel like I never learned this in school. And everyone should know this. I don't know why no one teaches this kind of stuff at all. Yeah. Don't care about it. I don't know anything about it. Okay, so um, what's interesting is that solar cycles are recorded based off of sunspots. Um, they look at the sunspots and record it, and that's how they measure the magnetism of the sun. So approximately every 11 years, we have a new solar cycle, a full, which is interesting to a lot of people who, whoever is really into gematria, they would really like it because 11 is a builder number or part of a master builder number. Um, so for some people, that's interesting. And then a full sun cycle is 20, is 22 years, which is also a master builder number if, it, if you're in Gematria. I'm not that much into Gematria, so I can't tell you what that means. But for some people, that's like very important information to know about. Um, so with the solar cycle that we're in now, 25, it is the weakest solar cycle in the last 200 years. The weakest? Yeah. So the magnetism of the sun is the lowest it's been. Um, hmm. And it's going to be since 200 years ago. The last time it was this low was the 1700s. 
1650 to approximately 1715. So really long time ago. That was the last time they recorded a story. Okay, hold on, hold on, minimum. right? 1615, you said? 1650 to 1715. 1715. Okay, let's see what happened around that those time period. Let's see what that was about. Okay. It's, it's called the Maunder Minimum. Okay. Uh, so with that, I find it very fascinating how with the global consciousness rising for people like us who like to think that the sun's magnetism is getting weaker. You would think it's the opposite. You would think that the sun should be stronger when it's actually not. Hmm. Well, I think that's quite interesting. I think it's interesting in a couple ways. One, we talked about the white sun at the beginning of this conversation. And uh, we also, Mark was talking about uh, the duality, right? Masculine and feminine. And if anybody knows something I talk about a lot, and a lot of my buddies give me shit for it, I believe that we are coming out of the, uh, I, I feel like it, we're coming out of the age of, the, the you know it was the rise of our of the masculine energy and I believe the divine feminine energy is starting to, to rise up so that would be very interesting that's just an intuitive thing that's been in my mind for years and you're saying that the uh, the energy of the sun is weakened so that's pretty interesting yeah and I it's totally believe it's like time for the feminine energy to rise up so that's that's pretty cool okay let's hear more about this. And with this solar cycle, that NASA declared that it started officially in December 2009, and with the average of it being 11 years, that would make the end of the solar cycle 2030. Okay, so 2030 is the end of it? Mm-hmm. 2030, okay. And that's interesting because, you know, there's Agenda 2030 and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And mm-hmm. December 2019 was technically when the COVID pandemic started in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at the dates, and you could go back and just see how the solar cycles correlate with what's going on. And I find that so fascinating now, just going back and looking at the peak of each solar cycle and seeing what happened during that time. And you can yeah. find out a lot about what nature is reflecting what's happening in the earth. So are we, are we, are things happening because we're reacting to nature or is nature reacting to us? I Mm. don't know, but I still find it very interesting. It could be either way. It's like the chicken or the egg situation. So looking at this, I've just been blown away. And also what's interesting to know is that when there's low activity, there's low magnetism in the sun, there's an increase of cosmic rays and the weather changes. It gets disturbed. So there's more there's more infrequent weather. So there's the highs are really high and the lows are very low. Huh. And that would be for this 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 year. You're talking about right now and this year and that's I would say I'm talking about in this in the solar cycle. In this solar started, cycle that started in 2019 and will probably continue to 2030-ish. That's the approximate time it should end, according to their projection, which is interesting because with Agenda 2030, there is a huge environmental component. Yeah, right? Yeah. So they know the predictions and they understand that there's going to be a lot of infrequent weather happening. Mm-hmm. So use it and as, you can okay. say that it's climate change, but really it's the solar cycle. And the magnetism of the sun being lower makes Earth more chaotic and the weather more infrequent and less regulated. It does all kind of tie in together. They're going to blame it on, you know, whatever, fossil fuels and all these things. Wow. Yeah, I mean, anybody that we can all see, right, that's the next big thing that's coming is, is the climate change and carbon taxes and all that crap right so yeah and of course they're whoever's in charge whoever they are they're going to know way more than we will or ahead of us and we'll know this cycle so why not you know never let a uh they say never let a tragedy go to waste right so they'll use whatever they can to turn it into i can totally see that i mean it's, you see the writings on the wall already that that's what yeah. we're headed that we're headed that way right and like, if you know the sun's magnetism is going to be low, it's going to be harder to grow crops. So, of course, there's going to be a huge crop issue of getting yeah. food, which is why we're having food shortage now. 
Yeah. Like all these things make sense if you understand what's actually happening in the sky. Yeah. Mark, you got anything on that? I think, uh, no, I think that's all really awesome information. I'm glad I was here to hear it firsthand. Um, and yeah, that I mean, that just goes into everything I've been motivated to do is uh, be more self-sustainable, have my own yeah. place, homestead. You know, last summer when everybody was worrying about what was going on, I found my way over to a farm and, and I had a job on a farm once a week, you know, and that was just one of many things people can do to learn these skills. You know, now I know how to milk cows. I mean, oh, wow. I, like, you know firsthand i did it every friday for you know a couple months so if i ever needed to milk a cow that's something i can do you know and i think that's part of it it's like you don't have to just listen uh to these podcasts and and leave thinking like the only solution is to go fight the government it's like no no the government is not. making you know raw healthy natural milk illegal you know and then you could learn how to get it yourself and that's one way to fight them you know that's just one small example you know some people don't like milk but either way there's so many things you can do whether that's foraging uh repurposing things recycling you know home gardening Absolutely. you know fruitinism, all this kind of thing all these different solutions to help make our world a better place because if if we don't get activated then we're just gonna let the government scam pervade further and further into our lives you know luke kurdowski puts that puts a variation of his meme up all the time where it's like uh revel what what people think revolution is and it's like you know last summer pretty much people like you know all that antifa and all that crap and burning the city so then it just shows you that what real revolution is and it shows a bunch of people like us hanging out on a plot of land like growing our own food and doing stuff like that you know, yeah. and uh, he, he, he I've seen him post that quite a few times, different style memes like that. But that is so freaking true, man. And it's funny, like our grandparents, or our great grandparents, they they knew exactly like there's so many skills that got lost um, before I mean, all this chaos. I used to always say, like, man, I wish I spent time with my, my, you know, my grandfather, like his backyard was like permaculture. I mean, it was everything like from chicken to, you know. Like he didn't, they, him and my grandmother didn't go to the grocery store for anything. And they like jarred everything. And uh, um, yeah, even just like the winemaking, like for the restaurant, I wish I learned about more of the winemaking and everything. And it was such a big deal. And, you know, I was just a kid and thought I was too cool for school back then. But I wish I could go back and I've learned from him. Um, one of his brothers is still alive. I really should pick his brain before it gets too late. Um, it's never too because, late. You know, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really need to before, you know, but you can lose, like, all that, that that knowledge, you know, because, you know, they were in World War II in Italy, you know, and, and they had to, they had to, to really survive. Um, so that's some crazy knowledge, man. Um, and, you know, I, I think about this a lot, too, guys. Like, let's just say, like, bad, I hate to say, but let's just say, like, the power was to go out or something, some kind of crazy cataclysm where, like, we didn't all die, but, like, all of our, all of our, um, all the luxuries were taken away from us, right? You know, like, I think about it a lot. And I do think, like, a lot of people would, would not be able to, to make it. But I do think a lot of us free thinkers and people that are just, you know, just, just I don't know. If people are stuck to their phones and, I don't know, can't, can't even fend for themselves at all. Yeah, they're going to be in big problems. But I feel like people like us, like, it would, it would be bumpy, but we would figure it out so fast. Right. You know, like we're humans. That's what we do. We adapt. Hope so. I think that there's a culture of self-sufficiency that is just permeating more and more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good considering everything that's going on. We should be. If we know that something's going to make it difficult to get crops, that means there's going to be food shortages, so then it's on us to be prepared. So now, okay, this is what I need to do to correct for my family to make sure we're okay. And I already, I've been talking to so many people who are growing gardens and yeah. getting their life together, learning how to fish, getting the land. Like, mm -hmm. we're already doing that subconsciously. So I find it so interesting that our subconscious is being driven by just what's going on in nature like a flip switch, then we're all like, okay, what do we need to do? We need to 
get together, figure it out, learn how to take care of ourselves, learn how to farm, like get some chickens, you know, mm-hmm. go to farms and learn how to deal with animals, all those things. I found it just so interesting how, how many people are starting to talk about that now. Yeah. I think it's I very interesting. Yeah, I, think it's, it's, I think it's so interesting. I definitely am seeing, you know, I, it's something I've been interested in for a very long time just because of the nature of me being a chef and really um, learning how disgusting our, our, We'll go, like our food so that's a whole nother episode we can do um but just you know mass-produced food is just it will freak you out um so that's been a a, a mission of mine for a while is to grow and harvest my own as much of my own food as i can and meet with like at least for especially for my family when it comes to like you know i, I like to know a lot of fishermen and hunters and trade a lot of my vegetables and stuff for for some of their meats if i do eat meat at home or fish uh so yeah i uh I've had an interest in that a while. It's so cool to me that people are finally uh, getting interested in that as well. Where for I feel like for years I would talk about people thought I was like a crazy person, and the only people that were into it were like hunters, fishermen, and and old people. Uh, but now it's great. I mean, I just had an awesome conversation with my neighbor about all this stuff, um, and he was all like into the chickens and all that, like all that stuff. I'm like, let's do it, man. We're neighbors. Let's get together and. You know, let's let's figure this out. Um, and that's just amazing that people are having these conversations that it's becoming like a, I don't want to say cool, but, you know, it's, it's a hit conversation that people are having. And I love it. Yeah, yeah I'm, with it. I'm with it. I'm going foraging uh, pretty soon. I just bought the uh, the guide to New England mushrooms, New England edible uh, wild plants. Doesn't really, I don't know if it, affects you jersey folks you guys are in the mid-atlantic so but maybe i'll put some it? new england mushrooms down for you guys i'm, I'm that's talking really about cool so, yeah wow so you're foraging yeah so okay i i have the app on my phone which i know is completely i have books too but i have the app on my phone where you take a picture of a mushroom and it will tell you what it is yeah um well if you go to but, your local bookstore they'll have like uh you know your your local like I got yeah. the common mushrooms of the Northeast, and it's just it shows you all of like the, you know. It, I love those like nice high color pictures. They're pamphlets actually, so you don't carry a book around yeah. with you, and they're actually like laminated too, so you don't, you know, you don't need to be only going out and doing this in good weather. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, some of the if, if people care, the bolites are good. Uh, edible mushroom you can find boletes b-o-l-e-t-e uh there's a couple different varieties of those but um the other one that's pretty good is the the chicken of the chicken of the woods but you know they're very good amazing i've never found any myself but have you i've seen them yeah there's some along the uh, naugatuck river not too far from where i live uh indian wells state park but i mean that was last year i don't know if they're still there now yeah, apparently my grandfather knew a bunch of spots uh, in our area, around this area where I'm at right now, where he knew where to find them. Um, I got to ask my uncles, uh, but I've never found them. But I did get into much mushroom foraging, um, and an and a older shaman, I started, I called him because I found all these mushrooms actually last year in the pandemic. And uh, I'm going to leave you with, with, with what he said to me one day, because I sent him a bunch of these awesome mushrooms, right? And I thought they were so cool. And I was like, for sure, I forgot what I thought they were, right? And and he was like, do not eat them. And then he left me with this text. <laughs> and he texted me and he texted me this, right? He wrote, there are old mushroom hunters and bold mushroom hunters, but no old, bold mushroom hunters. <laughs> Don't be bold. So, be careful out there, guys. You're going to go mushroom hunting. Yeah. They will kill you. The wrong mushrooms that look very similar will kill you. Yeah, um, that's guys. why the guides are cool. Yeah, for sure. You want to have – you want yeah. and, and also there's a lot of, like, Facebook groups you can go and, like, take a picture and show it to other people who might be able to give you a better idea. So, yeah, don't go about it alone. Don't be too bold with uh, No, with your do taste not be buds. bold. <laughs> do not be bold when it comes to fungus. Guys, uh, I got to run. I am so appreciative. You guys did this with me, um, so I didn't miss a week of of uh, content. Um, I love talking to you guys. I talk to you guys all the time. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you guys in studio soon. Thank you so much. Um, right either of you want to send any listeners anywhere? 
Yeah, of course, you can find me at the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We just had episode 50 come out today, uh, Wednesday, the 16th of June. That was Tommy Chong, my man. Ooh. The episode is called Have Faith, Be Love. So please check that out because Tommy didn't disappoint. He didn't talk about only pot. We got into some deep, deep topics, and it was wow. an honor you know, how wow. to live in Amman. But yeah, That's my family fun. thinks I'm crazy podcast. Please check it out. Rain, anything for you other than Instagram? Or you want to send anyone anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I'm just on Instagram. You can find me at a little rain. I post about technology, the human program. Right now, I'm obsessed with the sky, so you'll see I'll post about that. But you know, I just go on deep dives and bring you with me. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Swarm, love you. And uh, we'll see you next week. we got a big one planned for next week.